Uh, we're live on Comedy Schools Radio Network.com. Okay, we are going live on YouTube. Uh, we are live on YouTube. We're live on two portals. We're live on Comedy Schools Radio Network.com. We're live on YouTube. Hello, YouTubers. How are you? We're about ready to go live on Facebook Live uh, with the Friday show here. Uh, there we go. Start live video. And it's starting up. And uh, uh, I have made a discovery. Hello, Facebook friends and fans and family. Hello, YouTube friends. Hello, Comedy Schools Radio Network.com. You are watching and listening to Living on a Thin Line. We come to you every day at 2 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. It is your daily diversion from all the craziness, anxiety, hoopla, and weirdness going on in our world today. It's the time of day when you get to take a break from, uh, oh my God, the news. Oh my God, how am I going to pay the bills? Oh my God, uh, I just saw a guy licking a lamppost. Uh, I saw a bunch of people at Walmart, and not only were they wearing face masks, they weren't uh, wearing condoms or pants. So um, I'm willing to bet that the majority of men who go, I ain't wearing no face mask, are also the kind of fools who, uh, if they're having sex with a stranger, if their penis burns, they go, it'll go away in a couple of days. So, um, by the way, which is what our esteemed uh, president said today, said eventually the virus will go away. So, um, let's all be cool with that. Hey, you know what? It'll go away. Just like, uh, just like uh, you know, if you're a little pecker burns, after you have uh, sex with a stranger. So, everything's all right, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, I got a fun show for you today. It is Friday uh, I, I'm doing like casual Friday. I don't know if you can tell. Because I really haven't shaved or trimmed my beard. Uh, we've been going all day. We uh, had to take our little dog to the vet. She is fine. And we're quite happy about that. Uh, uh, other things, doing business things today. And all of a sudden, the day has gotten away. And all, the day, all of a sudden, it's almost 2 p.m. And it's time to talk to you. So uh, I got a good show for you today. Today, ladies and gentlemen, today we are going to reveal. Yes, we are. We're going to reveal who the 10th person is on our list of the coolest people of all time. We're going to reveal the 10th. I'll post it on social media tomorrow. And then um, this is an aggregate of a lot of the input I've gotten from you guys. It is. It wasn't me just going, but this is what I think. I, I did Miles Davis and Keith Richards. Boom. I put those on right away. That's, who I, that's what inspired me to do it, is that Keith Richards has inherited the mantle of coolest person in the world with the passing of Miles Davis. But we kind of turned the list into the coolest people ever. And uh, uh, we now have that list, nine people on it. At the end of the show, I will reveal number 10. Then we'll put it on social media and let all the uh, uh, conspiracy theorists and uh, people who have do uh, graduated from YouTube University, hey, there's a YouTube video you need to look at. Really? Is it like a bootleg of Jerry Garcia being interviewed I've never seen before? Is it that? Is it a YouTube video that one of my cousins put together of footage I didn't even realize is around for my first confirmation? Okay, is it a YouTube video from like uh, the 60s that shows us outtakes from Woodstock? Because I'll watch that YouTube video. But your YouTube video from some unnamed DO, MD, web intern, uh, some uh, political fruitcake, uh, that is supposed to be giving me this is information you can't get anywhere. Yeah, you know why? Because it's bullshit. That's why. I'm not watching that YouTube video. Don't send it to me. Don't send it to me. Uh, great show for you today. I uh, also want to tell you, want to remind you, tomorrow, Saturday night, when we'll talk about the 10 coolest people ever even more, tomorrow, Saturday night, 
We will, uh, tomorrow, instead of being on at 2 p.m., we are on at 7 p.m. Instead of 2 p.m., 7 p.m. So I'm going to be interested in seeing what happens, and I guess I'm part of this experiment. That's the weird part of it. Uh, I'm going to be part of an experiment I didn't really ask to be part of, and the experiment is the town of Maricopa, Arizona, which is the uh, town where we uh, broadcast from, which is right outside of Phoenix. It's a uh, give you a little backstory. I bought a house out here as an investment in 2006. By 2008, I was stuck with the house because of the recession. And then uh, I decided to live here, and I now love this little town. Uh, in 2010, there were 2,000 people here. There are now 60,000 people in Maricopa. We're a, we're a suburb of Phoenix. Uh, we're an island. You have to go 15 miles, partly through a Native American reservation, but all the way through the desert to get to Interstate 10 and get to Phoenix proper. Or you can go 15 miles south and get to the town of Casa Gran, a mid-sized city in southern Arizona. So we are an island. And then on the other side, mountains. The other side just takes you out to the desert, eventually to Interstate 8, but out in the middle of nowhere. We are an island. We are out here by ourselves. And from lockdown on, it was very interesting because there wasn't a lot of reason for outside people to come to Maricopa. Uh, occasional workmen that had to come out. Uh, but there was a lot of reason for people to come out. And for most of the people in Maricopa, there was no reason to leave. So we became a kind of self-contained uh, entity. A few stores stayed open. Uh, Walmart, the uh, two of the local grocery stores, Fries and Bashes, uh, food takeout, etc. But we were kind of, uh, like I said, an island unto ourselves. And our case count was incredibly low for a city of 60,000. Um, two zip codes in the zip code I reside for a couple of weeks, one, and in the zip code next to us, 1520. Now, as of today, May 15th, 2020, there is, uh, according to the interactive, uh, uh, zip code map that has been supplied for Arizona for us to be able to track case counts. There are 13 in my zip code cases, confirmed cases, and I think close to 60 in the adjoining zip code, which has more people in it. That's it. Okay, so we're looking at under 75. As of today, the town is open. I mean open. Yeah, there's some minor things, but the casino down the street from us is open. You can go in and play blackjack. You can go in and uh, play other games. Some of the restaurants are open. You can dine inside now. So not only did we begin to see a reduction in face mask and glove usage, in a lot of the public areas here. Uh, they're opening up a lot of the city stuff right now. Uh, the park that is part of the subdivision that I'm on the HOA of, we had followed the governor's orders and put out emails and stuff saying that you, no one should play on the playground equipment. Well, kids will be able to start playing on that as of today. So the experiment will be where we are a week from now, where we will be two weeks from now, where we will be 21 days from now. Am I taking risks? Yes, I'm taking some risks. Some people are not taking any. Am I taking some? Yes. I'm going to stores, okay? I'm going to buy groceries. Sometimes I'm going out a little more often than maybe even in the back of my head. I'm going, maybe I shouldn't be out this often. But uh, it, it, it's worked so far. So Maricopa is going to be part of a grand experiment of what happens inside a sort of a isolated yet uh, significant community when it goes from a lot of social distancing to removing a lot of those social distancing barriers and what happens to our town. Um, and, of course, I'm going to keep you informed of it. Anyway, that was like, <coughs> excuse me, and then I coughed. Ah! 
Uh, that was like the serious part of the show, okay? All right, now we get into the goofball part of the show. Uh, I'm going to, uh, here's who's on our list of coolest people ever. Miles Davis, Keith Richards, James Dean, Frank Sinatra, Steve McQueen, Prince, Humphrey Bogart, Jack Nicholson, and Billy Holiday. That is nine. We're going to put a tenth one on. Here's what we're working from, our extensive maybe list. And by the way, everybody on the maybe list could be number 10, but there can be only one. And that list was Dean Martin, Sean Connery, Charles Bronson, Muhammad Ali, Elvis, my brother Jerry or me, uh, Buddy Rich, Richard Pryor, John Kennedy, Bruce Lee, Samuel Jackson, Chuck Norris, Jack, you know, we already moved Jack Nicholson up, I'm sorry, Lauren Bacall, Sidney Poitier, Tina Turner, Catherine Hepburn, Denzel Washington, Kurt Cobain, Little Richard, Bob Dylan, and Lenny Bruce. All right, I'm going to tell you who number 10 is now. Are you ready? Drum roll. We got a kid across the street, plays drums all hour of the night. Too bad I couldn't uh, 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 have a truce with him. Uh, <coughs> it's so weird. You know what? There is uh, maybe some sort of odd karma. When I was a kid, I used to play the drums, drive my parents nuts. We'd practice in my buddy's backyards and neighbors could play. Now I got a kid right across the street, plays the drums till about 10, 10 or 11 o'clock at night. <laughs> I can't really hear it inside. When I go outside, I can hear it. Uh, could have him over and play the drum roll. <laughs> Number 10, Lauren Bacall. Lauren Bacall, ladies and gentlemen, Lauren Bacall has been chosen to be number 10 on the list of the 10 coolest people ever. She follows Billie Holiday as the two uh, women who are on the list. Billie Holiday, Lady Sings the Blues, one of the greatest jazz singers ever, a kickback chick, all right, uh, a heroin addict, uh, but someone who uh, went through incredible adversity in her life and never lost her voice or her artistry or her elan, so to speak, has always been on the list. And then finally, Lauren Bacall. Lauren Bacall who uh, is, is a smoky, sultry, uh, not siren because she didn't sing, but is a uh, smoky, sultry presence in 1940s films, cannot be denied. <coughs> Excuse me. So she is number 10. So that now makes the list. Number one, Miles Davis. Two, Keith Richards. Three, James Dean. Four, Frank Sinatra. Five, Steve McQueen. Six, Prince Humphrey Bogart. Jack Nicholson. Number nine, Billie Holiday. And number 10, Lauren Bacall. That is the list that you and I have worked on for now several weeks to compile. You may disagree with it. There's always disagreements, but eventually decisions have to be made. Lauren Bacall was the epitome of cool in Key Largo, the epitome of cool in The Have and Have Not, the epitome of cool in so many films. And of course, she was married to a man on the list, Humphrey Bogart. And when she married Humphrey Bogart, it made Humphrey Bogart even cooler. Little uh, little story for you. The original Rat Pack. We all know the Rat Pack. And we've got, of course, the chairman of the board of the Rat Pack, Frank Sinatra, is on the list. Was not Frank Sinatra and Dean Martin and Sammy Davis. No, 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 no. The original Rat Pack was Humphrey Bogart and a few other Hollywood luminaries who all got together for dinner and conversation. And they called it Bogey's Rat Pack. And eventually Sinatra was uh, uh, invited to join in. Okay, and uh, I'll tell you how cool Lauren Bacall is. You know how cool Lauren Bacall is? Because uh, once Humphrey Bogart left this world far too early due to lung cancer in 1956, she took up with Frank Sinatra. So Lauren Bacall has made love, had intimate relationships with two people who are already on the list, Frank Sinatra and Humphrey Bogart.
That is our list. Thank you. Thank you. I'll post it on social media tomorrow. And we'll be able to listen to people go hoop to you. And matter of fact, I'll even put up the maybe list. And we'll just watch people just kind of crap themselves. All right. So uh, we built the show around a few things. And one is uh, interacting with you and saying hi to all of you and answering any questions or responding to any comments uh, that we can here on Facebook. They're on YouTube. They're on Comedy Schools Radio Network. Uh, and the other thing to do is you show you, show you a couple of uh, cool trinkets or doodads or autographs or memorabilia that I have sitting around here in my home office. In the home of us. And we've uh, gone through a lot in the over 50 days now we've been doing this show. Um, what, and I, the next two things I'm going to show you were like big influences on me. And I don't know if they were on you. But uh, when I was uh, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, all the way up to about 13, I loved comic books. I devoured comic books. Comic books are my, my mom and dad used to give me a hard time. Get your nose out of a comic book and go outside. Nowadays, we're telling our kids, come inside and read. Don't be outside. There's scary stuff out there. But just devoured comic books. My first hero, of course, was none other than Superman. And here we have a world's finest, not a Superman comic book. And that's what messed you up. There was a Superman comic book. There was the world's finest. But there it is. This is an early one. And we can tell that because it's only 12 cents. The comic only costs 12 cents. I'll tell you what year this is from uh, in a second. We're going to look inside. We're going to look inside this comic book. For you guys, I've actually taken it out of its wrapper. 12 cents. This one came out September of 1968. September of 1968. Uh, the inside advertisement is uh, get terrific prize awards and big cash awards uh, by joining Sales Leadership Club. They always had those things like sell grit. Uh, on the back, they advertised Hot Wheels. Superman. Okay, world's finest. On this one, it was Superman. You, this is Batman talking to Superman along with the Green Lantern. And it's featuring Superman, the has-been hero. Batman says to Superman on the cover, Pat, Superman, you've lost your powers. I guarantee if you begin a new crime-fighting career in that costume, you'll be clobbered. And Superman says, you're jealous, Batman, because you know that I can make it as, as ordinary man the way you and Green Arrow did. So some sort of shit's going on in this comic book. This costs 12 cents. When I first started reading them, they cost a dime. But Superman was my hero. He was a hero of so many boys. And of course, why was he a hero of so many boys? Because during the day, he was the mild-mannered Clark Kent who kind of got pushed around, but we knew deep down inside that he, could t that he had special, super secret powers. He used them. And so many of us as little kids felt like that. And so many of us as kids desired that. Okay? And we wanted to know that there was that good guy out there who, and that we thought of ourselves as good. And that there was that good guy out there who would come to our rescue. So Superman, during the day, kind of a mild-mannered, milk-toast guy. Okay? But when danger came about, Changed into that uniform and flew off and rescued the damsel in distress. Saved the day. Love that. The other guy, there was two that really influenced me. The other guy who came along, kind of knocked Superman out of the box. Superman was a DC comic. Was the Marvel comic superheroes. And the best one, of course, was Spider-Man. Okay, so once again, this is a classic Spider-Man comic book. All right, and for you guys, I'm going to take it out of its cover so we can look and see. What year? This is Spider-Man. 
And what's going on here is, uh, take a look at this cover. Because there's Aunt May with a gun on Spider-Man. Aunt May with a gun on Spider-Man. She's going, stay back, Spider-Man. I warn you, if you take one more step towards that poor man, and it's Octo-Man who's evil. Okay? I'm going to fire. And the, the title of this is Aunt May Assassin. So uh, what year was this one? This one was... Uh, 1972. So by 1972, I got to be honest with you, I was no longer reading Spider-Man comics. But in the early days of Spider-Man, those early days, I ate Spider-Man alive. I love Spider-Man comics. So what did they advertise in the back? LaSalle Extension University. So what does that tell us, by the way, about Spider-Man in 72 as opposed to Superman in 68? Superman on the back, Advertising Hot Wheels. Spider-Man advertises on the back, LaSalle University, which is, I don't know if it was a, probably not a good university. Uh, inside, of course. <laughs> inside, of course, the legendary Joe Weeder and those biceps. Okay? So anybody who read Spider-Man wanted to have big biceps. But what's interesting is on the back of the Superman comic, Hot Wheels, on the back of the Spider-Man comic, a, uh, um, I believe it was like a... Um, Extension University, uh, the forerunners of uh, online universities. So what it shows is that oftentimes Spider-Man was read by an older crowd and a bit more literate. Older crowd and a bit more literate. Okay, a bit more serious. But we all love Spider-Man because just like Superman, he was mild-mannered Peter Parker, but he had spidey powers. And also the difference between, say, Peter Parker and Clark Kent was Peter Parker was an adolescent, so we could identify with him more. He wasn't a grown man. He was an adolescent, and he had all the neuroses of an adolescent, and there was beautiful girls around him that he could barely talk to. Where in Superman, in Superman, he was always trying to avoid uh, the ladies who were after him. Uh, with Peter Parker, he just couldn't really talk to them. All right, so Spider-Man was neurotic, introverted, Okay, uh, uh, and a little resentful. He was the classic adolescent, and that's why he appealed to oh so very many of us. As a young boy, I, I devoured those comics. By 1972, if I was reading comics at all, they were underground comics. They were the weirdo uh, classics of R. Crumb and uh, Griffin and all those guys. So those are our little knickknacks I'm showing you for the day. I don't know what your experience was with comic books, if you read them, uh, you know, uh, or not. Okay, if those were two of your favorites, Superman and Spider-Man, but the trajectory for so many people was Spider-Man when you were um, Superman when you were a little kid, and Spider-Man as you got older. The problem with um, Superman was he almost became like God. He could actually make time go backwards by flying around the Earth real fast and changing the rotation of the Earth. I saw that one time. So there was no um, there was no vulnerability except for Kryptonite. Later on, as I understand it, it changed dramatically as the years went by. Uh, once I uh, no longer had an interest in it. Okay. All right. So, obviously, uh, not a big, lot of big comic book fans here. Not getting a lot of big response. That's, that's okay. Hey, uh, but they were fun, and they were funny, and they were great to look at. And if you want to look at something great, and you want to have some fun, you want to see something funny, this Sunday night, this Sunday night at 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, you're going to have to do the math yourself. Uh, Kelly Wilson says, you were never awkward around the ladies. Oh, but I was, Kel. Um, I was just drunk most of the time, so it didn't appear like it was. Or high. 
Uh, and by the way, Kelly, nor were you, my, uh, my fine friend. Um, this Sunday at 7 p.m., Tony Vizic presents Sunday Night's Funnier with our headliner, Jonathan Gregory. If you are from the Arizona area, you know that Jonathan Gregory is one of the funniest guys you have ever seen. You've seen him on countless shows here in the greater Phoenix area or throughout Arizona. If you're not, you want to come and check out the show. We're already selling a lot of tickets for it. Can only sell 80 tickets in the Zoom room. Uh, so please go to ComedySchools.com or ComedySchoolsRadioNetwork.com. Buy the $10 ticket. And by the way, just like a drive-in, you can have 15 people in your house. If you're quarantining with 15 people, one ticket, $10, you all get to watch it. Great show. Along with uh, Randy Aoma and Paul Whitney. So um, not only will you enjoy the show, but you're also helping because portions of the proceeds, significant amount go uh, to help local food banks in Maricopa. If you go to my Facebook page, you can see um, where, uh, some of the places where we donated to charity. Not a lot. We're not making a fortune off this, but we every little bit can help, and we're doing that, along with paying the comics. So we're keeping, uh, we're keeping the economy alive in the Zoom room. So uh, please do that. Please come to the Sunday show. Because you're helping people, you're helping these comics, and you'll be entertained. All right. To the music. Let's talk about the music. Because the music matters. <laughs> I got a couple of interesting things for you today. Uh, I know I've talked a lot about late 60s, early 70s bands. And of course, that's when I was very young. And when you're very young, the music matters uh, more than ever. It's still an important part of your life, your entire life. And the whole idea, the whole philosophy behind our, our philosophy of make something old new again is let's revisit things that we've forgotten about that were important to us because oftentimes the reason they stop being important to us is not a very good reason. We got too busy. I got older. I didn't have time. Okay, but you got time now. Go back and revisit that band you loved when you were in junior high or high school or college and remember how great that music was and what it meant to you and let your mind flood with all the great memories you had behind that music. So we've talked a lot about that. I got different stuff today from two completely different eras, okay? And this first one, people go, why, why, Tony? Uh, <laughs> Glenn Froman says, dude, it got busy at work. I missed most of it. Can you start over? Why, sure, Glenn, we can, uh, but we're not going to. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad you're busy. I'm glad you're safe, sane, and healthy up there in Colorado. Um, the first record, the first artist we're going to talk about, it's almost like you don't have to talk about him. You almost don't have to talk about him because he's so ever present for so long, but now he's gotten older and he's not, doesn't have the same amount of output. He's not a, a much part of, uh, everybody's conversation anymore. All right. But here it is. And it's a younger, earlier album, of course, a young Bruce Springsteen, Bruce Springsteen, darkness on the edge of town. Darkness on the Edge of Town. So, uh, and as we see, this is a very early album. This is an early 70s album. I don't know the exact year. I was always a Bruce Springsteen fan, but not like a Bruce Springsteen super fan. How much of a Bruce Springsteen fan was I, ladies and gentlemen? I'll tell you how much of a Bruce Springsteen fan I was. The very first time I heard a Bruce Springsteen uh, song, I was working third shift in an infirmary at a residential home for uh, special ed kids. And why was I working third shift? Because I was uh, rehearsing a play and it was the only shift I could work and I needed to work. So I worked from 11 to 7, setting up meds and if someone uh, fell out of bed and got hurt or something, putting a Band-Aid on in the infirmary. And I used to listen to KC95. This was in St. Louis. 
and I heard a Bruce Springsteen song, and I actually called the station back when you could call a station, and the DJ would answer. I go, who, man? Who is that? And I can't remember exactly the song, but it was like one of those songs that blasted out of the radio bigger, stronger, louder, better, more beautiful, more fun, more sexy than almost anything you had heard in quite some time. And the DJ said, that's a guy named Bruce Springsteen. So that's how my first experience was just like with Jimi Hendrix at my great grandmother's house when I was a little kid playing with the dials and going across an FM station and hearing Jimi Hendrix do all along the watchtower until some grown up came over and went, I don't know what that crap is. Put on something else. Put on Vic Damone. It's where it blasted out of a radio into my brain and stayed there forever. That's what Bruce did. On this album, uh, of course, some of the great songs that made Bruce Springsteen a legend. Badlands, Adam Raised a Cane, Something in the Night, Candy's, Candy's Room, Racing the Streets. And of course, on side two, Promised Land, Factory, Streets of Fire, Prove It All Night, and Darkness on the Edge of Town. Look at the number of hits, the number of songs that you automatically know. And those are definitely going to be Promised Land, Prove It All Night, Darkness on the Edge of Town, and Badlands. Okay, so Bruce Springsteen, if you forgot early Bruce Springsteen, if you've just been dealing with him post like Rising and the kind of, uh, um, kind of uh, 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 consciously conscious guy that he is now, you know, and the concerts that he does that are pretty much nostalgia acts, and what else are you going to do at that point? It makes sense. Um, go back and remember the power and impact that Springsteen had when you were young and first heard it. And by the way, if you're young and you've never listened to Bruce Springsteen, go back and grab this album. Grab this and also grab um, Greetings from Asbury Park. And you'll, you'll hear something like you've never heard before. Now, now, okay, so let's say you're young and Bruce Springsteen was your parents or your grandparents' music. Altogether possible, altogether reasonable. And I'm asking you to go back and listen to it because you might just discover how wonderful it was. For me, for people of my generation, our analogy to that would be this, okay? Kind of hard to read. Kind of hard to read, but you can read it. And what does it say? I'm going to show it to you one more time. It says swing era, 1941-1942. So this music was the music that young people, that teenagers, kids in high school, people going out to dance clubs, this is what they listened to. These were their hits. And by the time the 60s came along, you know, this music was gone. It was toast. It was not played on the radio except on maybe uh, K-River, okay? Bringing back the hits of tomorrow for today. Do you remember when this song came out? December 7th, 1941. You know, and it was like you'd hear it and go, as a kid, especially like as a junior, you get, yeah, get it out, it's terrible. Later on, you get a little older, and if you, um, if you open your ears and eyes and heart, you go, wow, that was good stuff. Uh, we've got on here uh, a lot of Glenn Miller. Side one is all Glenn Miller. String of Pearls, Don't Sit Under the Apple Tree, which is actually a World War I song. Warm Valley, uh, Swing Low, Sweet Chariot, Tommy Dorsey version. Flying Home, La Lionel Hampton version. Lionel Hampton, Stunning Man on the Vibes, which are, uh, uh, they were like uh, uh, xylophones. Okay, uh, Jersey Bounce by Benny Goodman, I Cried for You by Harry James. Boogie Boogie by Count Basie. Uh, let me see who else we got on here. Count Basie again, special. The Man I Love, Benny Goodman. Um, you're getting the picture here. Artie Shaw, stunning, stunning guy. Married Betty Grable. Uh, Chattanooga Choo Choo by uh, Glenn Miller. 
which you all still kind of know, even if it's not your music. Uh, Benny Rides Again. So many great songs from the 40s, okay, that were so much a part of their lives. And I went back as an older guy and kind of knew the music from old movies and stuff and revisited it when, God damn, this is good. So why don't you try it too? Go back and listen to Benny Goodman. Go back and listen to Tommy Dorsey. See if it rings. See if it rings. If you got the time, open your eyes and ears and heart to something old and let it be new for you. All right. Uh, I just got the signal. I got to wrap up. I got to wrap up. And um, I'm also noticing that by talking about swing music, uh, a lot of you went, all right, let's tune in tomorrow. But uh, hopefully other people will watch this later on. Uh, I want to thank you all. Remember, tomorrow, Saturday, not 2 p.m., 7 p.m. Not 2 p.m., 7 p.m. Also remember Sunday night, Sunday night. Jonathan Gregory, just go to ComedySchools.com and purchase your Zoom tickets, and I guarantee you, you're going to see something like you've never seen before, and you will love it. For my producer, who just happens to be my wife, Shirley Lovisick, I want to thank you for watching today. We made it through another week. We have made it through another week. We're going to make it through many more. All right? Love you all. Talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye.